0: I want to thank you all for coming to the wedding. I'd appreciate you going even more. I mean, you must have lots of better things to do and not a word of it to Paul. Remember, Paul, you know the man I'm going to marry, but I'm not because it wouldn't ruin anyone as wonderful as he is. Thank you all for the gifts and the flowers. Thank you all. Now it's back to the showers. Don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married today. Listen, everybody, look, I don't know what you're waiting for. A wedding, what's a wedding? It's a prehistoric ritual. Everybody promises fidelity forever, which is maybe the most horrifying word I've ever heard. And which is followed by a honeymoon where well, suddenly you realize you sat with a nut and want to kill me, which you should. Thanks a bunch, but I'm not getting married. Go have lunch, because I'm not getting married. You've been grand, but I'm not getting married. Don't just stand there, I'm not getting married. And don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married today. Go, can't you go? Why is nobody listening? Goodbye, go and cry at another person's wake if you're quick for a kick. On my knees, there's a human life at stake Listen everybody, I'm afraid you didn't hear it you want to see a crazy lady fall apart in front of you It isn't only Paul who will be ruining his life You know, we'll both of us be losing our identities I tell him I'm an analyst about it And he said to see him money, but money and be floating in the Hudson with the other garbage I'm not well, so I'm not getting married You've been swell, but I'm not getting married Clear the hall, because I'm not getting married Thank you all, but I'm not getting married And don't tell Paul, but I'm not getting married today before you also take back the cake for the shoes and ball the rice look I didn't to tell you but I may be coming down with a fatidies and I think you're bait so if you want to see me faint I'll do it happily but wouldn't it be funnier to go and watch your people and thank you for the 27 dinner plates, 37 butter uh, knives, 47 baby points, uh, 57 capital holders One more thing. I'm not getting married but I'm not getting married <laughs> see I'm not getting married <laughs> still I'm not getting married I was praying that we're not getting, getting married today. Today.
1: It's so Hello everyone. It's me, Madge, Madge W. E. I. N. Steam. That doesn't sound very good. I wanted to tell you I've got a wonderful gram coming up. I'm gonna talk to Ninja of the Ninja Radio or An actual lesbian? Not that I'm not, but I'm gender fluid now, so it's a it's a little different. We might get to talking about that. What does that do? Never noticed that button before. What does that button do? Huh, I don't know. What does it do? Jump jump what does that button do? I don't know what it does. What does that one do? Oh what about that one? The waffle dust? I always
2: call it the waffle dust, the the marvelous good energy.
1: She always calls it that. Whenever she's calling it that, she calls it that. The same as Johnny Johnson or Yanni Johnson. Okay, I'm gonna get into my Zoom and we're gonna talk to the ninja. So I want you to know that the way this, you know, I know to him. Oh, I'm in the lo- the wrong person logged in. I mean, it was that was my work account. Um, Johnny Johnson, Yanni. Let me go. Hang on, I gotta log in. I want you to subscribe to my paper grum audience. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. You're going to really love my paper grum. And I think that uh, it's how we pay for this, right? So, um, the the thing is, this is how it works is you go to um, a paper and you got a grum. No, madge.substack.com. Oh, I look ugly and fat as usual. madge.substack.com. And that's how I uh, pay for the uh, no, support. You can support. I'm doing a terrible job because I'm multitasking in my brain. When you get old audience, it's really hard to multitask and I can't fucking do it no more. I just can't. Am I recording? Yeah. Um. But I don't advertise. I listen to some podcasts and they go on for five minutes of advertisements at the beginning and then they cut in and out. I don't do any of that. Um, and then the others they charge for Substack to to listen to the Grum or a Patreon. You know, you got to have a coupon and all this. Sh- I don't do that either. I don't do it. So what I do is you get this Grum for free, and it's supported by the people who are uh, generous enough to to uh, do my Substacks. You know, they do my Substacks. Manage.substack.com. dot com. Actually, when I'm waiting for Ninja while. Whilst I wait for the ninja, I may just read one of the uh, posts from uh, the other day. Uh, let's see here, man. So I'm just gonna go, and then you can also, you can, if you sign up now, you can um, you can um, listen to all the old ones too. Yeah, I mean, watch. Oh, sorry, see, this is the problem with multitasking, and it looks so, so horrible. My hair has gotten just so long, and it's not because it looks good. It doesn't. It's just because I don't like barbers. Um, anyway, why do I feel like I'm... I feel like there's ammonia in me. Where's that coming? Oh, I think it's from my hair smell. It's like an ammonia smell. It's weird. Anyway. um. Anyway, I'm saying anyway all the fucking time. Cause that's all I fucking do is say anyway, anyway, anyway. Um. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, I forgot to check uh, to see if my new MoTu device is in. I don't even know why I'm getting a new interface. I hardly ever grum anymore. But anyway, now I'm grumming once a week lately, and you pay for the grum. You sub- you you can support the grum by um, paying for the paper grum. It's I think that's nice because I just don't like the idea of having to charge for this. Maybe someday I will. You know, but right now it's going pretty well. I've got a few people subscribing to the paper grum and every day, Monday through Friday, so five days a week, you get a paper grum from me with my innermost thoughts. I'll start reading the one. This is from December 3rd. I'm not going to read you the one today because, you know, people pay for this. Um, meanwhile, also, if Ninja comes, I'm going to stop reading, as you should be here. Uh, I won something, and today I get to find out who killed JFK, December 3rd. It's the title of the Useful Idiots podcast today. Oliver Stone wants to know who killed JFK. I can't wait to find out. I'm so fat. So the bowling office party was dreadful, but I did win best raffle prize. I won a $150 gift card from Amazon. I doubt I'll ever get it, though. The HR manager is a raging alcoholic, and I'm sure she was in a blackout when the raffle was happening. She's the one responsible for the, getting the prizes to people. Why do I always assume the worst about people? People. Oh, yeah, because they suck. It's so loud in here. They're doing loud drilling in the coffee shop and the AirPod pros they don't do much to mask it. For some reason... Isn't this worth paying for? That wasn't part of the paper, room. For some reason, Apple keeps sending out firmware updates that make the noise cancellation worse. They're probably worried about lawsuits. Who is fat? Me.
3: You look wonderful.
1: Thank you. My hair is horrible, and it smells—smells smells like ammonia. <laughs> like I, I think that maybe I peed on it. It's getting so long, but I don't like the way. It, I don't like it. Uh, I was just privately telling the audience that the reason my hair is long is because I hate getting my hair cut. Because I never know what to say to the barber, and I find that whole experience really horrible. I hate getting my hair cut.
3: Is it like um um? Is it like a um? A- A Goliath? Not a Goliath. A Samson and Delilah thing?
1: No, because I have no energy whatsoever.
3: Oh. (laughs) So
1: it's not working. If that's what it is, it's not working. But uh, yeah. yeah. Oh,
3: Well, it looks nice. I like it. I like it a lot.
1: I think I look too much like Reagan Fox, to be honest. I feel like I'm going to just cancel somebody for talking, for wanting to talk about Mozambique. But that's another (laughs) story. Why do I keep getting canceled? It's so weird. Like I do these shows that I love, and then people just cancel me. Everybody's so fucking sensitive. Why can't you people just say whatever they want? Is that is that that awful? Can you just say whatever you want? I do.
3: Well, uh, yes, I think you can to yeah. a certain
1: extent. Except you can't.
3: No, I don't think you can. I think that's yeah. you know can't say whatever you want in life. Yeah. Only say it to your um, lady husband. <laughs>
1: my thing well i think i'm gender fluid now i've been really having an identity crisis in terms of gender because you know i'm gender fluid and um which i get all over the bed sometimes you know not on purpose you know and the thing is it's just i don't know like it just feels weird i'm always saying i've for years you know i've always said i'm a lesbian i'm a lesbian But now it just feels weird to say I'm a lesbian because that means I'm cisgendered. And if you're cisgendered, you don't have a right to talk. Now you have to be non-binary or trans to have the right to talk. And I want to talk, you know. I, I feel like I have opinions and I have the right to speak. As a cisgendered woman, lesbian or whatever, and especially since I'm white, um, I don't have the right to talk because you know I represent the patriarchy somehow. Still, plus I'm Jewish and we, you know, we we own the media, so that doesn't help my situation. So I had to be something, and I thought, well, non-binary. I, I I do have genitals. I can't be that. I thought, how about this gender fluid? It sounds nice, and it's a and it's a play on words, you know. I thought it sounds good, right?
3: Well, you look very gender fluid with your long hair. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. How's your, how's your, how's your pandemic going?
1: Sucks and sells mostly. I don't know. It's fine. I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, we had Thanksgiving, my family came over, we invited people. I I didn't think anybody would come. Turns out everybody came because we were just inviting people to be polite and then everybody came And But it was nice because my sister came, her family, a couple of friends, but it was, and we, we've gotten together before, but it was the first time that it didn't feel, we didn't really feel the tension of the pandemic. Oh. You know, it just didn't feel like we were just all neurotic and crazy, even the kids, because the kids are young and they're the craziest for the pandemic with this shit. Oh um, really? Yeah, the kids are nuts. Be,
4: yeah.
3: mm-hmm. They're all they just out. Hmm? Well, they keep getting sick, and and the schools keep closing.
1: Yeah, well, they were they were crazy with the pandemic before. This, you know, kids were getting sick. They've been since the beginning. I think. Kids, I don't know if it's just my family, but kids are really neurotic. And I, I get it. Like if I, I, I feel like it's a great time to be old. I really think there's never been a better time to be old, an old person than now, because we don't have to suffer through what everybody else is going to suffer through that's younger, like climate change and more pandemics. I mean, this is the first of many pandemics, in my opinion. We've got forest fires. We've got everything. The only The only hope I have for the world is fungus. Because fungus, and thank God, I'm, this is yeast radio, but I've been reading this book called Entangled Life by Merlin Shendrake or something like that. What a great oh, book. Yeah. Have I you heard guess, of the, or Have you heard of this?
3: I started to read it, and then when it gets into sort mm. of semi-pseudoscience, mm-hmm. I kind of dropped it. But I'm going to go back to it.
1: What was semi-pseudoscience?
3: Uh, I actually can't talk, remember.
1: When they talk remember. about the idea of, uh, like, the fungus as a whole and the worldwide the wood wide web and being sort of like a brain kind of
3: i don't think i'm not sure Mm. that's pseudoscience i think there's some truth to that i didn't
1: i i'm curious because i haven't really i i found it to be very scientific and i'm usually pretty good about spotting bullshit i didn't notice any i'd like to know if if i missed some
3: okay well it was been a long time since Mm. i i think i read it last year i got through a couple of chapters um but what's the other book that you read you read another one that i want to I, I read a lot read.
1: of books about mushrooms and opium and uh oh drugs. yeah yeah
3: yeah
1: yeah that's oh the, the, the one the one um i know which one it's the the immortality key is that the one that's the no. one with the pseudoscience
3: the
1: one is that you or me
3: oh my god Was that, that you or had- me Oh, it's probably me. I because thought I turned I'm, off
1: my work computer. I always I you know, I'm at work now, but I put, I made this as an appointment. So we have to talk know, about work.
3: Okay. We have know. to talk about work? Well okay. I'm
1: because I'm working, so um, I don't have anything oh, yeah. to say. Well this is uh, uh
3: well, again yeah, because work. the, the biggest is the world wide web. Right. It is a worldwide web. Right. That makes talk to each other and exactly. other plants talk to each other. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I agree with you. It is absolutely
1: fascinating. It is. Yes. And the way that they, fungus can really, I mean, they're basically responsible for creating life, at least from bringing it out of the ocean. That was really what fungus did along with the plants and the symbiotic relationship that they have with other organisms is, is fascinating. But they, they they were talking in this book about how fungus can uh, they have fun- fungi that can, if in Mexico, a huge percent in Mexico City, a huge percentage of garbage is comes from baby shit used diapers, right? There is a fungus that can actually, and they've done this, that can actually live in these baby diapers and convert the shit into edible oyster mushrooms. It's amazing. Wow. They can convert, they've done it experimentally, they can convert cigarette butts. They can decompose cigarette butts and turn them into food. I mean, it's a they, there's some real hope with this stuff, you know. I mean, but the problem is like what they were explaining. Like, there's a lot of toxic soil. You can use mushrooms to break down soil that's been contaminated with toxins, right? What what happened? And and these are all highly experimental. And because there's no money for the research, really, it's all just ex- these um, these sort of avocational myo what do you call it? myoculturists or the people that study mushrooms. It's all basically hobbyists that are doing this kind of experiment it's not coming from academics that much because there's no money and like so they're so they have this way like these there's and it's all new the science where they can you know decompose this this polluted soil through with fungi but in the in the real world they're still basically just the corporate world is basically just scooping up all the soil and burning it because that tech nobody's investing in it it's all about bottom line but there's a lot of hope in it i think
3: and uh fungi can uh fix oil spills right right i think that's amazing i love it
1: yeah it's very cool plus yeast is a fungi as i've mentioned and this is yeast right (laughs) now i feel like i've been ahead of the curve for a long time
3: so i'm i'm disappointed that Mm. even though i am as well very old Mm. um and a lesbian and a lesbian still i assume
1: you didn't change did you
3: no no i'm i'm I've, I've not become i've not become a gay man or gender yet. fluids
1: oh, i'm sorry i was interrupting your chain of thought train train, chain.
3: My, train thought, my train of thought was on yes oh, because wow. i'm going to be dead before any of this technology is actually ever used Reminds so tough. <laughs> but i might not be dead before i can find god through mushrooms have you been a, have you ever done mushrooms I have never done mushrooms uh-huh. and, and I would really like to, but I, you know, and I want to do one of those controlled Absolutely. You know, yeah. I don't, I, it's not to be, recre- it's not Absolutely. for recreational
1: purposes. I agree. That's good. Uh, that's the same that my mother's been wanting to do that and she can't get into any of the studies. She says she's too old. And I said, well, you know, you got to find somebody. I, I have a number of a guy my doctor gave me, actually, he'll do it here in Chicago, Uh, under Mm -hmm. the table but uh, I I haven't had the you know because see for me it's a little different because I had a I I had a I've done mushrooms recreationally and I never had a bad experience I mean maybe the worst experience I've had was nothing you know a dud but when I was I think 17 I had a bad acid trip and um, that was a very very horrible experience i ended up in jail with no clothes on and it was it was it was a literal nightmare it was worse than a nightmare. it was a living nightmare so i've always been very hesitant about doing any sort of other thing like oh what happened i think that's I did i just have a flashback i think i had a flashback um but i guess i'm afraid like if i ever told one of these guided meditation people that i had a bad ass trip they'd probably say oh no you're you're disqualified so but, gosh, I I think it's if wonderful.
3: You're on F, if you're on SSRIs, it's not a good idea either.
1: Uh-huh. Well, they tell you you're supposed to get off them for a few weeks. You know, they use this for cluster headaches too, which I do suffer from. And they have oh. there's a whole website called Cluster Busters, and they use SSR, they use um, psilocybin to treat them. And they always you have to get off all the meds first, so it's tricky. You have to be off all the meds. So yeah. So
3: what's what's the cluster headache
1: like? Oh my God. It's, it's unimaginable pain. It's basically like somebody's stabbing you in your eye. It just, mm-hmm. and it doesn't let up. It's, it's, it's hor It's horrific. Yeah. It's oh, horrific. I can't
3: imagine.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not a migraine. It's, it's much worse. It just feels like your head's exploding Honestly, And you just want to like find a release. So like I'll stick and it's sometimes, for some reason, sneezing makes it feel better. So sometimes I'll like stick a, a Q-tip up my nose to get myself to sneeze. And then when it's in, you know, when it, after it comes on, I go to the doctor. I, usually, if I can get it finagled the right way, I have a huge tank of oxygen. It's like six-foot-tall Sit that would normally be sitting behind, beside me when I'm in the cycle. And the oxygen does a very good job of aborting that. But getting the oxygen, and it's kind of annoying, you know. Yeah. Oxygen is the best. And it's not covered by insurance, of course, because America...
3: America, yes. If I had cluster headaches, I could have an oxygen tank in home for free. Well, for free, not no. for free, for my taxes.
1: I had such an interesting conversation yesterday. Okay, so, you know, I, I'm in the cryptocurrency world, but I'm very much an anomaly there because they're all, I don't want to say they're all, it's an overgeneralization, but they're almost all crazy like Ayn Rand style libertarians and basically crazy people. Politically, but I love the technology, and I'm trying to explain. Like, and I was in a group, one of these crazy underground chats, it's on Sphinx chat, which is really hard to get to because you have to have a lightning node to get there. So it's like it's so geekily underground and dark, but not for any sort of nefarious reason. It's just the technology is very requires you have to break. Through a lot of doors anyway so i'm I'm having this chat stacy herbert is there too and because it's her chat room and i'm trying to and i'm talking to all these people we're, we're having nice chat about the tech itself no arguments just learning and stuff and i'm like well this is can you help me learn this and somehow politics came up and, and stacy said oh Madge is very progressive and i said actually i find a lot of common ground here because you know what what you guys and if you ever say that there's a socialist aspect of bitcoin they will Destroy you. They're like, how dare you? And, you know, we're not socialists. We're not. But I said, look, what what Bitcoin is trying to do to the banking system, which is basically dismantle it, because there's all these paras, parasites inside taking all this money, right? So Chase Bank is unnecessary. If Bitcoin were really to come to fruition, then we wouldn't need corporate banks. It's all peer to peer. So everybody has their own bank and creates their own bank and you don't need these giant parasitic organizations taking the money out and buying yachts and rockets or whatever. I said, it's the same fucking thing that liberals want with, with socialized medicine. We just want to take the the parasitic middleman out of the equation. And that's the common ground. You want to do that for banking? So do I. But I also want to do it for healthcare. They said, yeah, but the difference is you, see, you think the... Um, the commercial insurance companies are the parasite. We think it's the government that's the parasite. I said, okay, we can disagree on who the parasite is, but we can agree that we want to get rid of the parasite. So at least I feel like I'm making some progress because I really want to figure out a way to get progressives into Bitcoin. I don't think it can succeed with this divisive thing. It's like we can't just play left and right for everything. You know what I mean? You can't just... And then when you're together, you can't just dismiss half the country and say, oh, you're awful because you're a socialist. It's never going to work that way. You're not going to replace the banking system by saying, you know, you're either with us or not with us. So I feel like I'm making teeny tiny progress towards finding a common ground here.
3: So. I guess one of the arguments against Bitcoin is that it takes up so much energy. And it's a huge, and it's, it's a very good argument
1: against it. And I, 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 I do... S- I do struggle with that. It's my biggest issue, but at the same time, um, the, the potential benefits of it are huge and can, I think in the big picture could reduce a lot of, um, greenhouse gases if, you know, if so, because it, it takes so much of the evil out of the system, but more than that, more concretely. Um, most bit Bitcoin mining has to be profitable or people don't do it. And the most profitable energy is free energy. So there is I, right now it's at least 50% is coming from renewables. It should be higher. My issue is not so much that it's most, my issue is more that most Bitcoiners don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like you can argue, like I know one socialist leaning left-leaning guy and, uh, Andreas Antonopoulos. He's a, a big, uh, teacher of the whole, you know, he writes O'Reilly books and stuff. And he explains, you know, he has a very good way to rationalize that as, as better than I am than, uh, than me, as far as, you know, he says, it's basically, it's not, it's what you do with the energy, not how you get it or something. But I think it the only way we're going to, um, solve, look, nobody's willing. The, the problem with climate change is, um, because I read Naomi Klein's book and she's brilliant on the subject, and i have been in fa- I was initially in favor of the Green New Deal. I still am Canadian. Canadian, Canadian, absolutely. She's great, and you know the thing is, the whole green, the original Green New Deal was premised on the fact that we need to reduce demand, we need to reduce consumption, and it's been made absolutely clear by pretty much everyone, including the progressives here, that we're never going to, re- we're not willing to, to to reduce consumption, which means there's only one solution, which is nuclear that's it it's either we die or we go nuclear and you know and of course that presents a whole nother set of issues so i think that's what it's going to be it's going to be nuclear power well
3: yeah. the fungus wants us off the planet well the fungus wants us extinct that's what <laughs> i think you do <laughs> yeah do you I, I think human beings are really bad for the planet you know the i agree gonna... with you but i
1: never thought saw, saw it in terms of the fungus though
3: that would be something that Dennis McKenna would say. Do you know who Dennis McKenna is?
1: Terrence McKenna's brother. That Terrence
3: one. McKenna's brother, who's uh, still alive. He's seventy-one, and he is like total, you know, total psilocybin guy.
1: Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah. He, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Go and ahead.
3: He's very interesting. Oh, I was just going to say he's very interesting, and Terrence, of course, is the father of uh, of psilocybin. Right. Tri- and uh, he was absolutely crazy. And I don't know if you read any of his books like um, Real Hallucinations. No, it's not called Real Hallucinations. It's called Something Hallucinations. I'll have to send you the link. And his brother wrote a book called The Ab- the Abyss of the Scream. No, The Screaming Ab- the Abyss. The Screaming. The Brotherhood of the Screaming Abyss. Dennis
1: or Terrence Who- wrote that?
3: Dennis wrote that. Uh-huh. And it's about his relationship with his brother and what happened to them in 1970. 1970- in 1970 when they went to uh the colombian amazon so
1: yeah i haven't i i think i've read one or two of terence's books but i don't remember which because i this is my i go in these phases where i have to there was a while maybe 10 years ago i read everything i could find about lsd Ah, Uh, and now i think i ran into him but why do you think it's the fungus specifically or you're just joking well i'm interested i I hadn't thought of that
3: I'm just, I'm, 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 I am just joking, yeah. but I think that, you know, the planet needs to do what the planet needs to do. And if um, we're going to put the, pa- the, the planet into imbalance, yeah. then it's going to say, well, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to do what I have to do to get rid of you because you're bad for the planet. I agree you're with that. Yourself, I agree with,
1: bad. yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I think that's true in terms of like the whole Jaya thing I definitely think the earth is trying to kill us. And I think that's why we have COVID or at least partially but in terms of fungus, I feel like for a, we're just another food for them, you know. I don't. Th- I think they love yep. a mess, you know. They they cleaned up the whole like what carnivorous Period and everything. That's one thing I was I learned in the book. I didn't know this, but apparently there was this whole period of time like millions of years, the carnivorous Period, where we had all these giant trees and they died, but they didn't decompose because they went into water, and so they had miles and miles of all this wood that didn't decompose because there's very few only like a white fungus can can decompose um trees wood because it's a very difficult thing to decompose so that so that we had millions of years of trees that didn't ever decompose and and that's what became coal so coal is basically trees that didn't decompose which is why they burn so well they just got smooshed so fascinating (laughs) did you know that
3: I didn't know that. I, I, I thought that trees, before the fungus got to them, I thought that trees just became petrified, you know, became stone. But I guess coal is a stone, too. Yeah, it's I don't know how that it.
1: works, because I've been to the petrified forest where they do have petrified wood. I don't know how that works. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. I used to have little pieces of petrified wood. Maybe it's just a big line. I don't know. This is fascinating, yeah, think- though, isn't it? it thing. is
3: extremely fascinating and, you know the science. Other, the other problem with human beings is that we do not have an appreciation of deep time i mean we've only been around for what a few million years right and the earth is billions of years old so you know who are we to say that we are at the top of the food chain we love to think we're at the top of the food chain
1: mm-hmm. well the other thing i love about the the fungus book is that you know they t- he's really good at sort of and one thing I've always loved to do is try and remove your 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 prejudices and your your trained perspectives and all the things in your head that make you think in a certain way. And he's really good at that. And he's like, he was talking about how they couldn't figure out why these two, you know, what's the motive for one plant to give nutrients to another plant, right? I gotta turn off my mail. It's fucking enough. everything just fucking. Does that when I'm on a, a Zoom, I could just go to Do Not Disturb, but I'm I am in Do Not Disturb. It shouldn't be anyway. But it could have been me. No, I turned off my. No, mic. that was a, a Mac sound. You had the PC sound. It's not you, but thank you. It's very gracious of you. But so they so they're talking about how they were these scientists were trying to figure out why would one plant altruistically give its nutrients to another plant through this wood wide web through the fungus the mycelium, and they couldn't figure it out because nature is not altruistic. It's just not at least it's It's opportunistic exactly yeah Yeah. it is so but what they what this guy said and this is why he's so fucking brilliant he said but you have to if you shift perspective to the fungus it makes perfect sense because the fungus doesn't it just wants to survive and so if it has two plants it wants it's not going to let it doesn't want one of them to die because it still needs to do its thing it's eating and it, it needs to get its food it makes perfect sense it's just about perspective you know, because we don't think of things like fungus because they're they're underground. And the also the idea of, you know, the in many ways the this wood wide web, this fung, fungal network or fungal is very much like the Internet. And it's very much in many ways like a neural network, except it's even bigger because it's not confined, confined by the space of a skull. It can just keep growing. But they said, be careful. Don't try to u- call it a brain because then you're imposing all sorts of humanistic beliefs about your brain. But it could be, it could be. So it's not a brain, but it's could be as powerful as a brain, and yeah, it could be what you're talking about. It could be the sort of intelligence that maybe says, uh, "Get the fuck off this planet, you assholes!" To us.
3: And that wouldn't surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. Not in the
1: least. And then I know what Terence would say. I and mean, I haven't read the books you're talking about, but Terence, from what this book says about his writings, is that he literally does believe that 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 when you take the mushrooms, you are the, the 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 mushrooms sort of spirit is inhabiting you. Like you are becoming manifest because there's like these insects that they're basically zombie there are zombie fungi that come and they attack a certain type of ant and then the ant is controlled by the fungus and it does suicidal things to make the fungus live it's a zombie thing and in some ways what McKenna was saying you'd probably know this better than i is that the um when when we take this psilocybin he believes that the actual that that intelligence is inside us and that it's actually controlling us at that point and that that's why we feel this oneness because when i've i've been i remember one thing i always felt about when i was on a good shroom trip is i remember being like on the grass and i kind I'm part of the grass. I'm part of this, and you just feel that oneness, and that makes sense in that mindset. But who? The, but there's nothing. That's pseudoscience, of course, but it's fun.
3: It, yes, it is, and it, and it could. It could actually. I would like it to be true. Some. I would like it to be true, but who knows? Well, you got to do
1: the research. I think you should definitely try and uh, do that, and I'd love to hear back from you. I think you should make a concerted effort.
3: Well, I have been. I've been, I've been studying I've been studying, um, studying. all this stuff for the last year. Well, during pandemic, that's one mm-hmm. of the things I've been doing. And the other fellow that I've discovered who goes even further than mm-hmm. Terrence McKenna and, and on Dennis McKenna is a guy named Andrew Gallimore. Gallimore.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, he is a neurobiologist who's also a pharmacologist and a biologist. He has all kinds of titles. And he's uh, doing research and teaching in um, a science and technology institute in tokyo right now Mm -hmm. and his idea and his book is called um
1: i'm trying to look him up now computational biologist okay yeah oh my god alien information theory psychedelic drug technologies in the cosmic game is that is that what you're
3: yes and here's what he thinks he thinks that there is no question in his mind which i find kind of bizarre that it is alien intelligences that are communicating with us when you're on shrooms or dmt Oh, yes what yes yeah and he goes to he th- oh. this book plus his course he also has a course uh-huh. um, which you can take for free or give him a nominal amount of money and he talks about how this all works and oh. he go- starts from neurobiology and he goes all the way up to the chemical um the chemical results which yeah. is that you're actually interfacing with aliens that are on another plane of existence which i just find completely bizarre but it's and,
1: interesting but you're leery of pseudoscience you don't think it's pseudoscience i mean this is the first i've heard oh, of it i'm not a judge
3: completely oh, it's it completely okay. pseudoscience and i think he will admit that this is just something he wants to explore but not mm. necessarily something that's for real. But I think in his soul he believes it. He says that the universe is just information mm-hmm. that emerges from state changes controlled by, for want of a better word, code. Where's this code coming from? I don't know. But he says mm-hmm. that we live in a hypergrid and there's other planes beside us, above us, below us. Mm-hmm. And um, when we take a DMT, this gives us access to these other planes.
1: What is a hypergrid?
3: oh okay, so um yes, okay, so information so it is a grid of information mm-hmm. where uh different groups are in different layers so yeah. it, it, he calls it orthogonal, which means sort of placed beside one another so it's this <laughs> so we're on we're, like we're on this plane, mm-hmm. and then when we go talk to the aliens or when they talk to us they're on they're on the, they are on the plane that's above where we are or mm-hmm. below where we are. Who knows how it all works? Mm-hmm. And he says that the universe isn't what we think it is. That could be true, too. Uh, did, did I explain hypergrid properly? No, I don't think I did.
1: Not really, but I mean, oh. I know the Bjork song hyperballad, but it's not, <laughs> it's
3: not bad. So a hypergrid. So we live inside a mathematical construct is what mm-hmm. he's saying. So Sorry. some people call it a simulation and other so that so we're in a if you think of it in terms of a simulation, we're mm-hmm. uh, a, a, in a simulated reality. And then there's another layer that's the a different simulated reality or the real layer, the, then, the real reality. But that
1: could be a simulation, too, right?
3: Yeah, that could be a simulation, too, in which case my answer to that is who cares? I know I you know, I feel like I'm alive. So it doesn't really matter if I, I'm a simulation uh, or not.
1: I would adv- I strongly recommend if you don't already listen to it a podcast called the Lex Friedman podcast.
3: Listen to him. You do, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. He he gets into this sort of thing a lot too, and you know he had a guy on I think it was his most recent show uh, about, and he was kind of like a scientist who uh, disbelieves uh, string theory, and he kind of just oh, says yeah. like you know you have to just respect the fact that humans aren't really that smart, and we're just no. so limited that we really can't understand the nature of what we can't measure or see that we are three we are four-dimensional objects we can we can you know figure out things that happen in four-dimensional space very accurately and we can continue to do that and should but beyond that you know we're just you know pissing in a barrel I guess <laughs> I don't
3: know. well I, don't know. I, I agree we I think that we just don't have the capacity to understand some of the things that we would like to understand mm-hmm but so maybe, the the thing, fungi,
1: maybe the fungi do. Fungi. Is yeah, it fungi or fungi?
3: What is it? I think you can call it either. Okay.
1: I think well, whatever they are, maybe they know. Maybe they have more dimensions than they do. And, they, and by taking psilocybin, we can access that. Who the fuck knows? But it's sure is fun to think about it. It's, it it gives me hope. That's why I love to read about this, these topics because very few things give me hope. You know, especially with like the pandemic and everything that comes out is just dysfun- dis dystopian fiction and all this garbage. But this stuff gives me hope that there's something way bigger than me. And they also, you know, have you did we talk about the Immortality Key? That's a great book. You got to read that
3: oh, one. Immortality Key. Let me write that. It's one.
1: big with the like the the crazy uh, Bitcoiner types and the bros, but it's a really interesting book. And the premise, you got to like be patient with it, right? Because some of it is. You know, the 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 foreword is garbage by this quack. But this guy is very well researched. He's a a lawyer and his premise it's a hypothesis, and I'll give you a spoiler, it was never proven in, in the book, but it has a lot of circumstantial evidence. His premise is that the original um Eucharist, Christian Eucharist, was a psychedelic ceremony. And then so he basically talks about, he wasn't the first to say that, but he goes a lot into the Eleus- Eleusis, the Greek ceremony. And he goes to the origins of pretty much, he he goes in a th- very thorough detail uh, with all these all this um, evidence from different containers and going back five, 10,000 years even, with, where they can find evidence of ergot fungus. And, and he's fine, they do find there are concrete evidence of these you know, that the earliest concoctions of wine had psychedelic elements to them very often. But they had, so there are a lot of these, you know, places where they found that people did these created drinks and drank psychedelic drinks. They haven't proven that the Christians were doing that though. But if you go to the, um, the uh, what's that shit where that stupid pedophile lives? the The Vatican. And so if you go underneath the Vatican, you know, there's these catacombs and one of the catacombs has, art in it, actual art from that, from the first 200 years after Christ of, and it's pagan ceremonies, drinking this wine. And, you know, it talks about how, you know, Jesus started as, you know, before he was Jesus, he was Dionysus and all the common stuff and turning water into wine and how that's really a psychedelic. It's fascinating stuff, but it's, it's very well-researched and it's, it's a great adventure to to read because again along the same lines it gives you hope and it just changes the way you think about things it's fun yeah
3: uh, stoned ape hypothesis hypothesis mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so yeah. this is called the immortality key key okay and he,
1: re- he he's a he was a he's a lawyer this guy and he must have spent i don't know how he got all this money but he he met with all these people He goes to the greek uh you know to the acropolis and meets with the head of that uh, museum, and he just and he goes to the Louvre, and he gets into special access to these little things, and it's all it's very much scientific and scholarly, and ev- everything is evidence based with footnotes everywhere, so you mm-hmm. know what the truth is, you know what the bullshit is, except for the forward, which is total bullshit. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just so interesting. I, I mean, I wish I had a better <laughs> memory, or I would tell you more about it, but you know, it's just. The, the I guess what's good about it is just it's kind of like the Da Vinci Code, but it's not fake. So you get to go on this adventure and he takes you on this adventure of of how he learns all this research. But it's real. It's not just some horrible movie for macho you know, <laughs> shit, you know.
3: So why why did we invent religion? I mean, what's what's the use of religion? I mean, mm. you know, if it's just to drink um, psychedelic no, substances, it's yeah, so. It
1: is. The idea and the reason it's called the immortality key is the idea is that the original religion was these sort of is a psychedelic experience because when you have a psychedelic experience, the idea is that you see that you are immortal, that you do not die.
4: Ah, and course. so
1: all of immortality, when they talk about immortality in religion, it originally came with an actual experience that you could experience for yourself but people like the priests according to this theory this part isn't proven the the pre and remember before this point it was all women controlling the church too the 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 ceremonies used to be all controlled by women by female priests all these psychedelic ceremonies like in ancient greece they were guard the women controlled them men weren't even allowed there unless they were like below a certain age and then you know there was a lot of issues with that but the men took control of it and then so they became at some point it became their domain their secret to 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 actually experience uh in other words you don't get you little person you don't get to experience immortality we do and we can tell you about it we'll sell it to you
4: uh-huh so it's uh-huh. changed so okay. what we
1: what we have as religion is basically a placebo and then he uses that word many times the eucharist is a placebo it's just stupid a cookie and some wine that's not what the original eucharist was according to this theory the original eucharist was you you actually see immortality. And you see, you learn that you are immortal and that changes your whole life. And he says, and many people say, that we, like even some of the Greek philosophers said that you need this experience because they went to Eleusis, uh, like Aristotle, I believe he went to Eleusis and experienced this. He says, you need this experience in order to live. Humans need this experience in order to continue as a species because without it, you can't it's that important. oh i like that yeah
3: i like that because when you know that when you're not afraid of death Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know you're part of everything else yeah it changes everything exactly you know that your life has meaning no matter Mm -hmm. what happens exactly because you're part of it all
1: we're all the same even though eventually sorry we're all the same fucking thing we're the same organism it's yeah. just, I've always thought of consciousness as, I was a big fan of like uh, a lot of these conceptual films from like 20 years ago, like Lars von Trier. He did a movie called Dancer in the Dark. It was a horrible film, but he did, it was all conceptual. So Bjork. He had, yeah, with Bjork. But he, he mounted cameras, hundreds of cameras, little tiny cameras everywhere. And so his concept was, he would just film everything and then edit together all this raw footage, which was all from stationary things like he'd have a camera on the train, a camera, you know, on the trellis, a camera on Bjork's head, maybe. I don't know. And then he just yeah. edited them together. My view of consciousness is sort of like that. Like, I think each one of us, we're just different camera angles on the same thing, you know. That's how I view it. Like, you're, yeah. you're just a different camera on the same. We could be the same organism. You're just a different camera angle. I don't know what the dead yeah. people are, though. You know, even a dog, that's just another camera angle, maybe.
3: Oh, yeah, oh. that's another problem I have with uh, human beings and mm-hmm. our, uh, our, our, our desire to be the, uh, as I said before, the, at the top of the food chain. Yeah, everyone, all, you know, scientists always talk about how human beings are the most intelligent. Yeah. Well, that's such really? nonsense. How, how, how no, do we know that? We don't. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you can't you can't say that because I don't know what a dog's experience is. I don't even know what your experience is. So think, how can I even how can I even go there and say I I'm, you know, I'm the best that right. that evolution can produce? That's nonsense. I
1: think a lot of that is just patriarchy. I think it's because men run everything. I don't believe if we, if if we had a gynarchy, which is another subject I want to talk about, but I don't think if we had a gynarchy, we would have that point of view. I think we would ha- be much more open to the I, I think because a gynarchy really believes earth is the mother. And not man. It's the opposite. Nature mm-hmm. is the boss. So yeah. I, don't, I don't believe that. I think that's part. I think that's the symptom of patriarchy that that you describe. My mm-hmm. friend wrote this book, Art Van. I don't know if you remember her from a while ago. But she was she's a, a friend from way back. And um, she wrote a book called 150 Years of Gynarchy. And it's fascinating. And I'm, I want to have her on the show. I haven't worked up the nerve to ask her. But it's a fantastic book because she's a dominatrix. She lives in a house where she has two slaves. They're both men, and they they serve her. And she, you know, she's a very smart person. She got her doctorate here. That's how I, I, I know her from. She was a doctorate at the uh, School of the Art Institute. And, but she uses that as sort of a microcosm for what society should be as a whole, which is a gynarchy. And her, her sort of thesis is that 150 years we need of gynarchy before it will really kick in and then we can have a true, you know, a different society and the idea is not, oh, we just switch, you know, you have women in control like Hillary Clinton and then they just have the same male values, which she does. I mean, those aren't really female values, you know, but... Margaret Thatcher. Right. I'm talking about like, it's not so much about having women run, it's about having female values of empathy, you know, of com- I don't know, like compromise, what are female values you're probably know better than me but you know communication understanding empathy viewing the earth as a mother sharing you know not fighting and um not feeling like you have to dominate that you can share I I don't know but she knows and the the idea of it is is really interesting and I think
3: yeah why not (laughs) give it a go (laughs) oh my goodness oh hmm yes all right, mm-hmm. we'll have to come back to this. Do you? There was something else you wanted to talk about? Oh, it's gynarchy. I did. Oh. I okay, did so you did. You did talk about that. Mm. Okay, so uh, I'm going to switch gears a little bit sure. here and ask if you watched Squid Game. And oh, I did. So, why? Why? Yeah, why would you watch so- it? I can tell you why I watched. It. Um,
1: I watched it because everybody was watching, and it. it was number one. I had to know what's was going on. That's why. Did, I
3: did not want to yeah. look like an idiot in front of my nephews and nieces.
1: Yeah, well, that's, and great that's nephews true. and
3: great nieces.
1: Um, I just spit at the monitor. You got me very excited. It's oh. uh, <laughs> my new monitor. I waited so long to get it. Now I just threw my first loogie in it. But I just had to see it, and it was so fucking disturbing. You know, my very. my uh my spouse. I don't say wife anymore. I just say spouse, and I and I use they them pronouns, even though they don't need that but it's fun for me. But they spoiled it for me after two episodes. They didn't see it because I was watching it and they were like, oh no, this is a horrible, because of course I'm like, oh, you should watch it. So I like the, ep- when they finally saw, I, cause I was watching it and then like come in from playing volleyball or something. Cause that's what we do. We lesbians. And they come <laughs> in like, what the fuck is it? It was the scene where like everybody, one of the scenes where everybody's just getting shot. In that big room. Oh yeah. And bam. and they're like, Match, what the fuck are you watching? This is just so horrible for your psyche. And that whole period of time, which was only like two or three days, I was just a mess mentally. And they mm-hmm. were like they were like, Oh Match, I know that you're depressed from this. This shit fucks up your brain. You shouldn't watch it. And then we're out to dinner, like after the first, after I'd binged half of it, like, Oh, you know, uh, so and so is the one that did it all behind the scenes, blah blah blah. I'm like, You fucking bitch.
3: You just ruined it. And he's like I still watched it, but... Um... told you that. Your, your, your spouse told you that? Your spouse ruined it for you? hmm Well, my, my spouse, who I call my lady husband, ruined it, tried to ruin it for me. How? And I said, do not because she didn't want to watch it. And she said, I'm just going to read all about it. But I'm That's not exactly
1: what, it. what my them did. Yeah, because they didn't watch it. but they, So they told you what... what or...
3: No, I said, do not tell me anything. I just want to watch it and mm-hmm. see what happens. And I wasn't really surprised. I mean, I knew there was going mean, to be some kind of... mean, We can spoil
1: it because everybody's right. seen it. But he, they, the, my them basically said, oh, you know, it was the old man that did it. And I'm like, mm. you motherfucker. Because I, I have... You know how you watch the show and you kind of have little suspicions, but... And I had a suspicion, right? Because I'm like, well, maybe it, was, it made perfect sense, but then he's dead. But then he's like, of course, you didn't see him die. But to have oh. that confirmed fucking wreck my, my... Me. <laughs> what I don't know, but it was yeah it's fucking disturbing right i don't know what to do with that experience of watching it what do you think
3: (laughs) Uh, i found it extremely disturbing as well but um i you know i i just let it wash over me and and i've seen worse things i've seen requiem for a dream Mm -hmm. i've seen threads i squid is nothing compared to threads i don't know what threads is well, Threads was made in 1984, and mm. it's really worth seeing if you really want to be to, to, to be oh, yeah. disturbed. So it's about a um, an atomic bomb that goes off in the South China Sea
5: uh-huh.
3: near right. Sheffield. Okay. South? China, no, not near Sheffield. not an Anyway, it's, it, it well it goes it goes off. Okay. It goes off in the South China, China Sea, uh-huh. and uh, it's these people in Sheffield. What happens the aftermath of a nuclear explosion that actually does devastate mm. large portions of the world? Mm. And you will not be the same after you see it. Fun. Can't wait to not be the same again. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you have to see threads. I really want to know what you okay. think of it this everyone um i i'm on a i'm on a facebook group that's that's called uh, strange movies Mm -hmm. so this was one of the strange movies that we discussed and i every month threads comes up so i'm thinking i'm gonna have to create a a a new page called i survived watching threads
1: okay so strange movies then i can ask you something so my sister asked me she's got a son who's 20 they watched um eraser head they which i've never seen oh you've never seen it okay so you can't gotta
3: see it but, they, but you can tell me anything i don't mind spoilers I, there's
1: nothing to tell because it's just fucking nuts it's like i just remember a bunch of chicken fetuses being thrown onto a stage while this dude is dancing but she's like uh she asked me what does that mean and i just said well all i know about it because i have seen it's like it's just it's surrealism it's up to the yeah. viewer to interpret i don't fucking know she no. goes well I." she goes well i uh, prefer Boonwell." And I said, yeah, me too. I don't know, David, I, I don't know, sometimes I just think David Lynch is kind of just bullshit, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you can be surreal. Anybody can be surreal. It's just random shit, right? But to have it yeah. be more artistic, I don't know. I I, I, I don't know what I was going to ask you, but you haven't seen it, so fuck that. I well. You should see it.
3: Um I okay, I w- it is on my list. I mean I have terabytes of movies to watch so I, I don't just know, don't know what you
1: do with, with with surrealism is it's 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 subjective right
3: yeah. How do you interpret
1: something that even the director can't interpret? It's just not so.
3: Now you were talking a few episodes ago, uh-huh. maybe a lot of episodes ago you were talking about Werner Herzog.
1: Uh, George was my friend George I never watched he was recommending that to me, but I never uh, oh I'm sorry his name is El Wapo. I have to keep people's oh yeah him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. El Wapo. Yeah, I didn't watch any of those films, but I got emails from a few people that said, "Oh no, this oh. watch this film, not that film. Watch this film." Okay, I don't watch any of them. Why did they like,
3: mention? Yeah. Oh, um. Even dwarfs start out small. Did anyone tell you about that oh, one?
1: Did, no? Is that the one? Did That's, you send me the link to that on YouTube? Or Somebody did.
3: I've never thing. sent you. Yes, somebody may have sent you the uh, link to that on because it is on YouTube, okay. and it is astounding. Okay, there are I mean, there are scenes in that movie where my 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 mouth actually hung open. They are so weird. What was the name of it?
1: Even dwarves. It's
3: what? even even dwarves start out small or start small. Well, don't they even just stay faster. small though?
1: Sorry. Oh, meaning they start smaller. I get it. I'm like, yeah. They're even dwarfs start small,
3: and the the cast is completely dwarfs uh-huh. of different shapes and sizes, and I'm sold. Ages. I'm you're sold.
1: sold. I love dwarves. You're sold, like I'll Oh, watch you're
3: that. sold because you love And the yeah. interesting thing about this movie is that when I was finished it, I was so appalled for mm. one thing. But on the other hand, I was. I actually there were different dwarves at different points in the movie that I identified with, and mm. I thought that is this it that is yeah. the trademark of a good movie when you actually yeah. identify with the characters. And so, I think that's what's so yeah. brilliant about that movie. I
1: think you're right. For me, I. That's not how I would verbalize it, but I know it's a good show for me when I see, when I like all the characters. Like, mm. like Succession, for example, there are a bunch of horrible fucks in that show, but they're all just, you know, they're so well-acted and good, and I think uh, White Lotus was the same. Like, you just, when everybody, and even the nasty characters are so well-acted and so well-developed that you just have to like them, even if they're horrible people, and to me, I don't know if that's what you were also describing
3: but oh yeah they're horrible um, these are not nice dwarfs at all yes no i'll say no more yeah i think they have the
1: it's just good (laughs) storytelling yeah i was watching i was watching by mistake i don't remember why some horrible christmas film with mary steenburgen and uh, some they had all these like has-been actors not that mary well she is a has-been and it was just so sad watching her because this is like she's older and she had all this plastic surgery. And I'm thinking, why is it is it OK for plastic surgery to become a fucking beauty product? It's not. It's fucking surgery. It's been manip- it's body modification and it's painful and horrible and dangerous. It's not makeup. And that should not be OK in society to use surgery as a, as just something you have to do if you want to stay relevant and make movies. But her character was just so undeveloped and flat. Like, and then Robert Duvall's in it, playing you know they're the parents, playing like the grandfather, and they're just these tropes. Like, oh, I'm the I'm the wife who's on Xanax. Yeah, everything's wonderful. And he's like, oh, I can't fix the cable TV. And I'm thinking this is the opposite of a good movie because these are characters <laughs> you despise because there's no depth to them at all. Whereas if it was a good movie, you would see depth to these characters, even if. Even the horrible ones, which is why I like Woody Allen films a lot too.
3: Ah, yes, Woody Allen, very controversial.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I
1: guess I don't yeah. know. To me, I always separate the art from the artist. You know that, so I don't have it. There's yeah. no controversy for me.
3: Yeah. yeah, I, I, I can pretty much do that as yeah. well. I guess it's because a little different because
1: when they're still alive, because maybe you don't want to. Show them respect, but it's kind of a bullshit argument because the way people will still just you know hate on Michael Jackson even then he's dead. Exactly. Or Wagner. I fucking love Wagner, and he's he was a horrible anti-Semite, but I love his music. I can't help it. I don't know that his music was dead. You know, there's so much divine inspiration in the arts that how much of it is really maybe they're just a medium in some ways. You know, for that beautiful music.
3: Mm -hmm. I don't think a
1: fucking anti-Semite would make that beautiful music i don't believe that's the
3: thing human beings aren't one-dimensional right well yeah which is very difficult because if you know if you've been abused as a child or Mm -hmm. uh, anything Mm -hmm. like that or abused as an adult and people do terrible things to you it's really hard for you to say okay well you know that's just one aspect of their personality who wants Mm -hmm. to say that no you want to kill them so (laughs) right but you know it, mm-hmm. it the whole thing with michael jackson causes a lot of of angst for people yeah. it puts them into gives them a lot of conflict because he was brilliant mm-hmm. it, it, there's many aspects to him that were brilliant and yet um you know he he looked for uh, victims i mean i it, i defended mm-hmm. him forever until i saw that movie what's it called uh,
1: the most recent the, one the miniseries yeah, the, or the other one yeah i i agree talk, with you i i I think he was, I believe the allegations in his case. I I think he was a horrible person, but I didn't really ever really like his music that much, to be honest, but it doesn't change what I think about his music. I always separate it. I always do. You know, I have never been a pop music fan, fan. but for me, the Woody Allen is a better test because I love his films. I really love his films. I think he's absolutely brilliant. His films are so good. And, um, you know i i couldn't watch the documentary i tr- i read the book by him i'm very biased i've only read his side i mean to the oh, okay. okay i mean i've read both sides but i've given his side a lot more play to be fair to be honest mm-hmm. i tried watching that documentary that mia Farrow did on hbo i just couldn't do it i couldn't oh, i couldn't watch i couldn't watch woody allen shirtless in, with kids in a swimming pool and the you know the way they were using the music and it was very clearly They were trying to get their point across and I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't. And I don't know if it's because I really didn't want to not, you know, I, that I wanted to like, not that I wanted to believe him or am I in denial? I just, I don't know, but I just couldn't do it. I, I love it. It wouldn't change my opinion, but I don't know. I just want him to be innocent and I love his films, I guess. What can I say? Oh, I lost your sound. Yeah, she down. I guess I have to sing. Mm-mm. Is it something? Oh wait, wait, wait! It's not you. It's not you. Hold on, hold on. I don't think it's you. Sorry. Oh God! Don't touch a thing. Oh my God! You it's, touch something. You're back. Yeah. Okay. So I let me just explain this because you're you're a podcaster too. You'll get it. I sometimes set my my um thus and so to 96 kilohertz my frequency or whatever which is Mm -hmm. i don't need it to be i'm recording at 96 kilohertz it's not necessary wait it's way too much quality for this silly thing usually Mm -hmm. it should be at 48 the problem is this audio software i use uses like windows conventions and as soon as the file gets to be two gigabytes instead of starting Uh, a new one it just stops recording
3: oh my god so that's why
1: i should be on 48 so that was i apologize that
3: would totally piss me off yes well, i mean i use audacity all the time yeah. i still use that you probably use some other you use ableton live Able or Live, yeah so audacity audacity has gotten really good over the years except they've been purchased by some oh, some really? new company well, eventually to, you're gonna have to pay
1: for it i used to use audacity yeah
3: go ahead they go have go a ahead. really
1: good um filter that redu- removes um silence so when you want to make us sound oh. real snappy and fast, I I've used that in the past, but I use that in group in group calls where we have a lot of dead air. But not for, for myself. I don't. I like the the organicness of sp- yes.
6: silence.
3: No, <laughs> and and I think listeners like some listeners like ambient noise. It's mm-hmm. just there in the background. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I go back and forth like, with that. It, it
1: depends on my neurosis at the moment. Often my OCD doesn't allow for background noise and I'll use filters, but lately I've been fine with it because I've limit. No. Oh no. Okay. Let me correct. I, I got to go soon cause I'm supposed to be working, but okay. So if it's a noise that I is natural, I'm okay with it. Like if you can hear the radiators clicking, which you often do cause I'm in steam radiator. I was like, "Clang, oh, clank, clank. Cool. If it's, if it's a fan behind me you hear that? that's fine. But if it's a buzzing sound due to a ground loop, I will freak the fuck out and replace every bit of hardware until I can figure out what's the cause of it. And I have done that. I bought this new microphone last year because there was the faintest buzzing sound, and I could remove it with a plug-in, but it drove me fucking crazy, so I bought a new mic. And then I had a ground loop a few months ago, and I couldn't figure out because I had... This is is crazy, but I had this ground loop going on for ages when I would have a call like you, and I'm using... Because I do everything... Manual, I have wires, I don't do electronic routing at all. I hate that. It's like I can't abstract it, my brain doesn't abstract audio at all. So, I have to have physical cables like an old radio station, and I do. So, I have this audio device that has like 20 inputs and outputs, and I I use cables like. And so, I had this horrible sound, but it took me at least a month to figure it out. And I was obsessed. I bought, I finally got a ground noise, I found out it was a ground loop, and I got rid of the ground loop with this. Device I got for ten dollars on Amazon. Then I realized, wait a second, a ground loop is caused by having two sources of power instead of one, right? And the bottom line is this: the reason I had the ground loop is because the power failure on my interface failed, and I was it was started. It it can be powered from the uh, FireWire port of the computer or the little nine volt adapter. So I was powering by the nine volt adapter, but. Unbeknownst to me, that 9-volt adapter stopped working and it started getting the power from the FireWire. And somehow that caused the ground loop.
4: Uh-huh. Can you
1: imagine what I had to go through to figure that fucking shit out? So yes, I, re- I, replaced, I, I replaced the the power adapter with fucking $10 and everything was all better. But that was like a month of sheer hell. <laughs> sheer well,
3: hell. I, you know, I have to put my equipment away every time I podcast because oh. I just mess up the room. Uh-huh. And... You know, the lady husband goes, Get that shit out of here. Like, you know, like you can't leave it set up for weeks on end, well, which I would like to do. So I said, Build yeah. me a studio. And she's like, No, there's not going to be no studio. So I got to do what I got to do. So every time mm-hmm. I put the thing together again, I go, Whoa, How did that go before?
1: <laughs> I think we're married to the same person.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, we might maybe. be. <laughs> that's, that's where they go. They go to Toronto every day.
3: Yeah yeah to talk yeah that's right <laughs> hang out with me and then come back to you in the evening yeah. Yeah. yeah make my life a living hell no she doesn't make my life
1: a living hell i know i, I, know, how it is. <laughs>
3: I know how it is okay well, i should let you get back yeah. to work then this has so been a great can,
1: conversation I, mean, I don't know when i'll post because i just posted a horrible conversation with Hagatha this morning that people are going to need to take a nice cold shower not cold shower they're just going to need to take a lot of hand sanitizer and clean it was dirty it was disgusting so they need to get cleansed
3: maybe it's better if i listen to it on 1.5 times
1: or just and,
3: yeah it'll, it'll it'll yeah it'll be over soon
1: <laughs> maybe <I'm> faster <laughs> than that maybe two two you oh. all right no then. no that.
3: Okay. Okay. Thank, thank you, thank you, so you much. very much for the opportunity to talk to you once again. Oh, it's always. Wonderful. I have a long list of items to talk to you about, but I guess we'll have to do it next time.
1: Yeah, maybe we should do it more than once a year.
3: <laughs> yeah. We should. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. Talk to you later.
3: All right. Okay. okay. I'll send you some links. Okay. Some lots Bye. Have a okay. Some what? Locks. Sorry.
1: <laughs> locks and bagels, cream and cheese. I like salty. Links. Oh yeah,
3: I can send you lots, Yeah. Salty. All right. <laughs> Just tell me what your weather's like there.
1: Um, it's fucking cold. It's like under thirty now, I think. Ooh, I'm supposed to get to eighteen tonight.
3: Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. Well, winter's here.
1: Yeah. What's yours?
3: Well, we. I woke up and it was uh, fifty degrees. Oh, that's not bad. And yeah, and uh, which is very unusual. It is an unusual warming trend, mm-hmm. and tonight is going down to minus minus. Uh, Mm, I can't say that. I was going to say minus two, but then you'd go, what? Celsius. No, it's going it's to go down to about 30. Oh. All enough. right.
1: Well, if I ever get to uh, Toronto, I'm going to we're gonna yes. connect. Because we want to do that. It's on
3: our list. So Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. You must let me know when you decide to come to Toronto.
1: All right, Ninja. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Oh, it's Madge, have
3: a great day. You too. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye.
1: Well, audience, that was delightful. Hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, then subscribe to my Substack, mag.substack.com. And um, I don't know, am I going to put some grum here? I guess I should, right? Let's see.
5: We would like to welcome the Republican Minority Leader of the Senate and well-known recording star in his own right. That's a great pleasure having you here with us.
7: Well, it's more than a pleasure for me to be here.
2: You know, there are those who say you are the greatest parliamentarian in the history of the Senate. Nobody ever described it better.
8: (laughs) (laughs) On the other hand, uh, you've been called one of the silliest men in public office. You flatter me nowhere. (laughs) A public figure's honesty
7: is his greatest attribute, Senator. What can you tell us about the virtue of honesty? I
2: gave it up for politics. (laughs) The Senate had a lot of problems with the budget this year. How did you finally manage to cut the budget?
1: We had a rabbi and what a job he did.
4: <laughs> We've
7: been noticing your rather flamboyant hair, Senator. Is there anything you'd care to tell us about your barber? He died ten years ago. <laughs>
5: Last January, when he arrived in this country, why did you refuse to kiss President de Gaulle? Well, I don't quite know what he had in mind.
2: <laughs> Incidentally, Senator, what was that sky rider riding over Pennsylvania Avenue yesterday uh, when you came out of the Senate?
8: Everett, comb your hair. <laughs>
5: this may be indelicate. I mean, we know you never accept money for this kind of an appearance, but we'd like to offer you a 20. Put it in my wallet.
7: (laughs) What did you advise LBJ, Senator, after his recent operation when the doctors told him to slow down?
8: Overdo it. (laughs) You know, we'd really like to get a few sensible answers from you, sir. You're up against a real difficulty there.
2: I understand you employ 200 secretaries just to handle your mail. Oh, yes. Well, about how much mail do you receive as an average? I received a postcard about three and a half years ago. (laughs)
7: Been an intimate of Mr. Nixon's for years. I suppose you call him Dick? No matter how long you've known him, he is always Mr. President.
8: <laughs> We're reluctant uh, to even mention this, but uh, is it true that you are running a small bookie operation in the rear of the Senate?
7: Did you see that ad in the paper? <laughs>
8: Come on now, we know you're joking. If you want to make a bet, come into my office.
5: (laughs) You've known the Johnsons for years. Would you remember Lady Bird's maiden name? Sparrow.
8: (laughs) We'd like to thank you for being with us, and just one more question, if we may. What was your reaction when your cocker spaniel gave birth to a litter of 36 puppies the other day?
7: That's a perfect imitation of Bobby Kennett. <laughs> Thank you and good night.
5: As President of the United States, we appreciate your taking time out to talk with us.
7: I'll be glad to take any questions that you may have to ask
5: well, there is a small element of rabble-rousing narrow-minded people who think you are the worst president this country
2: has ever had.
7: Well, I'm inclined to agree with some of those people.
2: <laughs> uh, well then, uh, tell us, is there any chance that you'll improve?
7: I don't want to hold out any hopes for you that uh, I don't have myself. <laughs>
5: If we can get to something of a more personal nature, you were seen kissing Lady Bird on the White House steps yesterday.
8: I don't expect to do that every week. You entertain lavishly at the White House, but I wonder, do you still put your good silverware out when the Kennedys come to dinner?
7: As far as we can see, they haven't taken any yet.
8: (laughs) We understand that because of prior commitments, Lady Bird will be unable to attend the White House ball next month. Who are you considering taking in her place? I'm asking Secretary McNamara.
5: (laughs) You've been on intimate terms with General Eisenhower for these many years. You've lived with him, you've walked with him, you've talked with him. Uh, What do you think of him? We've been
7: wasting a lot of money on West Point all these years. (laughs)
5: Is it true that last month you offered George Hamilton $5,000 to marry your daughter Linda Bird? This
7: month it's $3,000. You must know young Hamilton quite well by now, having seen him around the White House so often. Have you developed any nickname
8: for him? Sweet Potato. We know your time is valuable, sir. We'd like to thank you for being with us today. Do you have any final word you'd like to leave with us? You never had it so good. Thank you. <laughs> We're delighted to welcome the former movie star and newly elected Governor of California, to our microphones. To begin with, sir, will your administration take cognizance of the alarmingly rapid growth of free love on the campuses at Berkeley and elsewhere?
1: That tradition in California would be preserved under us.
2: <laughs> Is there any reason why you didn't attend a meeting of newly elected Republican governors held in Chicago last week? I can't think of anything that would have prompted me to go. The incidentally, apropos of the meetings... I understand there's a nudist convention in your state this week. That's the meeting that I expect to attend.
7: <laughs> you are considered to be a very open-minded man, Governor, who doesn't hold grudges. I sure am. Incidentally, incidentally sir, where would you like to see those who opposed your election as Governor? Put into cement. <laughs> One thing we're curious about, Governor, could you tell us who was your political mentor? The Kaiser.
2: (laughs) Now that you are Governor, what do you really intend doing for the people of California? I have no intention
5: of lifting a finger
7: doing anything.
5: (laughs) Is there any specific reason why you are closing down all the houses of prostitution in California?
7: To see if we could not switch to the
8: voluntary system. As, as, uh, as governor, you are interested in the critical social problems of your state. What have you found to be the best way to get prostitutes off the street? Bring them home. <laughs>
5: Governor, you've been very cooperative. May we just ask you one more quick question or two? No, go away. <laughs> well, thank you and good night.
8: We'd like to welcome the junior senator from New York back to our microphones. It's nice to see you again. Well, it's nice to see you uh,
2: again. (laughs) Uh, You bear a famous name. Do you in your own mind think that there has been anything greater or more famous than the Kennedys to come out of Boston? Yes. Oh, what is that? Beans. (laughs) In the
5: years to come, what would you like to do? Take over. Take over. (laughs) would you therefore predict that you are going to be president of the united states one way or another
7: it is said sir
5: that uh, many
7: of your followers actually believe that you are god
5: Do you like me to explain why
8: Senator, I understand that on your way here tonight you lost your wallet and there was $50,000 in it. And yeah. we're certainly we're, we're very sorry about that. It's just a drop in the bucket.
2: <laughs> your association with the president has been a stormy one, but we'd like to ask you some questions about LBJ. Where do you think Johnson's place in history is in the past? <laughs> On the surface,
5: LBJ and Lady Bird seem to be the most happily married couple. Would you know of anything that they resent about each other? Just living together?
7: (laughs) (laughs) Sir, you've eaten at the White House many times and enjoyed it, I'm sure. Who cooks the food there? 40,000 Chinese. (laughs)
8: There are those of us close to the scene who feel your feud with LBJ is over-exaggerated. What did you tell LBJ when you met him on the street the other day?
2: Disappear. (laughs) Presidents have always had famous slogans as signs on their desks. President Roosevelt's was, in God we trust. President Eisenhower had a sign which read, peace on earth. What does the sign on LBJ's desk say? hell with everyone.
5: <laughs> uh, you're quite a critic of LBJ's foreign policy. Can the president be impeached for not ending the Vietnamese war? No, it has to be on mental grounds, obviously.
4: LAUGHTER
7: Also, sir, staying on the subject of the Johnsons, what did you tell Lady Bird when she asked you if you would dance with her at the White House Ball? Split.
2: (laughs) Senator, you have a house full of marvelous children. What would you say was your main expense in bringing them up? We spent $110 million,
5: I think, on comic books last year. (laughs) You are a very attractive man And you are also very faithful to your wife, Ethel There's no question about that (laughs) Well, well, what do you tell all the other women Who constantly call you? Suffer
8: Uh, We understand, however, that before you were married You were quite a swinger And with your allowance, you must have gone through quite a bit of money. Almost $3 billion
5: on dogs.
2: How does the Pope feel about the fact that you have 10 children? He thinks that we haven't done enough.
5: (laughs) Well, in your opinion, how do most people see the Kennedy women? stomachs distended
7: <laughs> one final question we know the kennedys are a very religious family sir what is god to you
2: just a relative <laughs>
4: In 'em, DM in 'um um, and um, DM the minute the um, minute the minute the the in in it, Lord in it, Lord in it, DM in it, the um, minute the minute the um, minute the in 'um, minute in 'um, um, and the um, DM um, um, minute the in 'um, the um, minute the DM